Ah, hello, friends. You're listening to GRIT, and this is episode number one. So GRIT stands for Grief Recovery is Tough, because it is. And anyone who's undertaken the process of grief or been unwittingly thrown into the process of grief knows that to be absolutely true. But I really believe we can, we can heal from grief. But it's a process that few of us really want to engage in. But if we really want to heal, it's a, it's a process that we really have to undertake. Um, so this is my first podcast. And, you know, full disclosure, um, I'm just speaking from my heart and letting you know what I've learned through my journey so far. So I just said that I believe that you can heal from grief and that the process isn't easy, but doable. So the question is how, how do you heal from grief? How do you experience joy again? after your life has been shattered? How do you put the pieces of the new you together again? Because I think the first thing that you learn when you're struck with grief is that you're not who you were the day before. And you're not going to be that person tomorrow or the next day. Truth be told, You're never going to be exactly who you were before. How could you be? Someone that you love has died. And you're never going to get over it. And you're never going to move on. But you can move forward. And you can heal. But healing takes serious grit. And that's grit with a capital G-R-I-T. And I'm here to tell you, it's not going to happen all by itself. So I guess I should begin my story with why I think I have something to say about grief. And in order to do that, I really kind of wanted to share with you some thoughts I have about mortality and things that have kind of struck me um, over the last couple of years. I, uh, I remember reading a Facebook post by a young lady who was 27. Her name was Holly Butcher. And uh, honestly, she was actively dying. She was had a rare form of bone cancer. And uh, she wrote a Facebook post that actually went viral because it was about her musings of life as she was dying. And A couple of things that she said really hit home to me. And the first one was that she said that you really never expect that that you're going to die. You never really question your own mortality. It's just one of those things that you ignore. And then on the top of of death, she said that, she liked the fact that we were mostly ignorant 
to its inevitability. And honestly, if you're anything like me, you probably haven't really stopped to think very often about your own mortality. You know, at least I I never did in the past. Um, I worried about my parents, of course, as they aged. But that's natural. And I always expected on some level, even though I hated to think about it and I worried about it, honestly, that they would, they would, they would die and they would leave me. But I knew that that was an inevitability and I knew that that would happen and that was a natural order of things. But what I was ignorant to or oblivious to is the real fact that anyone can leave us at any time, regardless of age. I mean, we know it. Of course we know it, but we don't really believe it. My family lost our youngest son, Brian, at the age of 24 to an accidental drug overdose. That was September of 2016, two years ago, and it had been a nine-year battle. He desperately wanted to recover, and although we all understood the gravity of his condition, we really never truly believed that it would end this way. We believed that he would find a way to to keep on living, that the days would just keep on coming, that he'd string together life one day at a time, that he'd get married, he'd have children, and that his chronic disease would somehow take a back seat. He'd manage it to the point where it wasn't an upfront day-to-day battle. But that didn't happen. And we lost him. And so we were thrust into this grief arena, so to speak. In the early weeks and months Following his passing, we just simply existed. This just couldn't be our new reality. That's all we could think. And then I remember that my chest just hurt constantly, excruciating pain in my chest. We were numb, which was probably a good thing, honestly. Self-protective, I think. Because... Truth be told that if we allowed ourselves to really take in the enormity of our loss, it probably would have killed us right on the spot. I also remember mornings being the worst. I'd wake up and remember, oh, yeah, Brian is not here. We didn't have a clue how to do this. We didn't want to do any of it. I remember coming home from the hospital when they told us that he was not going to be with us anymore. Holding Steve and he holding me saying that, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I really didn't want to live to tell you the truth. And I mean, I wanted to live for my remaining two children but the pain was so unbearable. I was stuck, really stuck between wanting to go but not wanting to hurt 
my children or my family and Steve, they'd all been through so much already. The pain of existing in that dark space really is the only thing that propelled me to try to understand what was happening and how to either feel better or just die, frankly. <laughs> Honestly, it felt like I'd been standing innocently on a curb watching traffic or trying to do my best to obey the laws. And suddenly, out of nowhere, I was shot. Just shot. And as I crumbled or slumped into the street, I could sense people rushing to my aid. But I didn't but they didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to do. And although I was conscious in in my fantasy here, I guess, although I was conscious, I was unable to communicate. And they didn't know how to help me. And they seemed so far away. I couldn't really hear what they were saying. And I felt like I was slowly bleeding out. And there wasn't anything that anyone could do. I just lay there waiting for the lights to go out and praying that somehow it would happen quickly. I don't know. Maybe you have a story like that. I hope you don't. But maybe you do. Maybe... Maybe you have been in the dark pit or a cave where you just couldn't seem to find your way out and you felt alone, desperately alone and as if the lights were going out and you wouldn't be able to to go on. But I'm here to tell you, hold on, please hold on. Someone is coming. Someone is coming. And maybe, maybe that someone is you. That was an awful time. Straight up awful. But I think that it was somehow necessary. Because without that excruciating pain, I would never have been motivated to move away from it. I honestly, I just couldn't stay in that space without relief or the hope of relief anymore. I started listening to podcasts and YouTube and, and reading. I just was reading anything on the afterlife and how to connect to your spirituality and how to connect with loved ones, anything on grief and coping. I mean, because of our journey up to date before we lost Brian, I had done a lot of work. I had tried to figure a lot of things out and I meditated routinely and tried to think positively and, and, and did so much work. But when this happened, I just became a sponge. Listening to these YouTubes and Anything positive about the afterlife, afterlife was really all that I could think to do. It was the only thing that gave me any kind of relief, um, however fleeting. Of course, you know, I, I also went to Mass and I, I met with our pastor and, and I began reading A Course in Miracles and the Bible. I just 
began to find through all of that that I couldn't listen or do anything that felt divisive anymore. Everything that like that just felt trivial and unreal. I don't know. I was fumbling. I was fumbling around. There's no, no question about that. I was just doing my best to survive. And so I'll fast forward to May. So from September to May, I just survived. We just survived. We just tried to do the bare minimum. That's all we could do. But in May, my mom had just gotten out of the hospital after battling pneumonia. And my brother asked if I could come up to where they lived to help him get her on, back on her feet. So I went up to New York for what I thought was going to be about a week that I would spend some time with my mom and help her with her recovery. Unexpectedly, shortly after I arrived, my mom's condition worsened and she relapsed. She went back to the hospital and within a few days, we were told and she continued to deteriorate when we were told that she, she wouldn't be, she wouldn't recover. So we took her home to live out her last few days, although she never regained consciousness from that point. So I spent three weeks, almost a month there, tending to her and saying my goodbyes. And that was mid-June. And I, I have to say, I just learned so much and felt so much during that time. Being able to focus on her and doing for her was the first time that I felt the slightest relief from my grief and from the torture I felt after losing our son. I'll say a little bit more about that, but in keeping with my story, let's just say that it was nine months to the day that we lost Brian, that we lost my mom. So after we lost her, I went back home and continued my reading, absorbing and wandering, but something had shifted in me for sure. So I had felt something that was uh, indescribable, for lack of a better word. And then in July, my dad started taking a turn for the worse. He hadn't been very well. He was in assisted living and had his own issues, his own health issues for quite some time. So uh, I decided that I better, as the time, you know, kind of allows, I, I decided I better, I, I wanted to get up and, and see him and spend a few days with him because we really just didn't know what was going to happen with him. But as the time got closer or drew closer, I was concerned and worried because I just didn't see myself going up there and spending time with him and, and then hugging him and saying goodbye and uh, knowing that it was probably going to be the last time that I would see him. There was something about that that just didn't seem to <laughs> seem doable to me. But oddly, as the time drew closer, he started to fail more quickly. And when I got up there, he wasn't doing well at all. And he 
end up passing the day after I got there. What a blessing it was for me to be there with him just before and while he passed. Such a gift, such a blessing. But that was September 6th of 2017. So in less than a full year, I had lost my son, my mom, and my dad. I have learned so much since then. I'm still learning a lot. And that's what I wanted to share with you. Over the past two years, I keep seeing recurring phrases and words that really resonate. The first word or phrase that I that really hits me is invitation or the idea that pain and suffering includes an invitation. I was saying, you know, invitation with regard to pain, invitation to be willing, invitation, 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 invitation. And so it just resonates with me. So stay with me on this just for a second because I want to delve deeper into this. I said earlier that healing won't just happen by itself. And I think that that's really true. I think you have to be willing to accept the invitation to move out of pain and to discover how to live again. You're going to have to allow yourself to mourn. You can't deny what's happened. And you can't deny where you're going with this. And you can't stuff your feelings down. You're going to have to actively pursue your healing. You can't get busy. You can't exercise your way out of it. You can't um, eat your way out of it. You can't sleep your way out of it. You are going to have to allow yourself to feel the feelings and deal with the emotions if you're going to have healing. But how to do that? How to do that and survive? That's the real question. But I think once you make the decision and accept the invitation to heal, that things just start happening. So let me move on. I read somewhere once recently, or I don't know when, but I read somewhere not too long ago that grief doesn't change you. It reveals you. Do you think maybe it's possible that it also invites you to become who you truly are? Deep grief breaks you wide open. It just does. It has to. Deep grief has broken me wide open. And I just don't have the energy or desire to do anything that doesn't feel right, doesn't feel true, that doesn't feel akin to who I truly am. In fact, I think that I've been unwittingly on a journey to discover exactly who I am. Somewhere along the line, I accepted the invitation for greater understanding. And and in trying to decide or discover who I am, I don't mean who I am in my personality. I don't mean who I am in my everyday life. I mean who I really, really am. Who I really am 
at the soul level, not just my personality, but who I truly am and, and who I came here to be. And honestly, what I've come to realize is that who I truly am, when you strip everything else away, who I truly am is love. And you are love too. I believe that we're all love. I think we all come from love and that we're all really, and that we all really want to live from a place of love. At least we all start out that way. And then things happen. We don't feel loved somehow or our needs go left unmet for some reason. Fear and lack enter the picture or we just get distracted with life itself. But when deep grief and loss breaks us wide open, we have an opportunity. I think it's an invitation, an invitation to let go of a lot of the fear-based and lack-based beliefs that somehow we've come to believe in, that we've come to hold. And it's an opportunity to return to our true nature. I think we can let loss bring us closer to who we really are, truly are, which is love. Or we can let it drive us further away and deeper into fear and lack and pain, honestly. For me, I really don't want to exist anywhere other than where love exists. It soothes and heals my heart. And when my mom was ill and my brother asked me to come, I was given an amazing gift. All I had to do was concentrate on loving my mother. How could I make her comfortable? How could I take the best care of her? Taking care of her during that time and drawing on love lifted me out of my grief. It invited me to truly go beyond myself my surface self. It allowed me to deep, deep, to delve deeper and to come back to who I truly am, who we truly all are. So when I hear phrases like only love is real, I believe it now. So I don't know where you are on this grief journey. And if you're new, new here, please, please just be kind and gentle with yourself. Just hold on if that's all you can do. Just hold on for now and don't have any expectations. Rest when you need to and take in what has happened to you slowly. You are not alone. Someone is coming. Maybe it's your deeper self. Maybe it's the divine that lives within you. But there is help. Hold on. It's coming. Someone is coming. And at some point, as you gain your footing, the invitation will appear. The question is, will you say yes to life? Will you say yes to learning to how to live again? Will you say yes to becoming who you were really truly born to be? Will you accept the invitation to set the intention to heal? 
I'm not saying that it'll be easy. And you may have to set the intention over and over again, every day perhaps. And it's going to take grit, real grit, the capital G-R-I-T, grit kind. But I, I believe and I promise you that if you do, if you, if you say yes to that in, intention, if you say yes to that invitation, you'll experience things that you never dreamt were possible. And if you say yes at invitation, I think we can get through this. I think we can all get through this together. So let me just leave you with this. It's a wonderful quote that I just love by Rumi. And it goes like this. Grief is a wound where the light enters you. Will you allow that light to penetrate? Will you allow the light to come in and break you wide open, transform you, and show you how to live again and how to find joy again and how to find love again? My wish and my prayer is that you will. And for now, my dear friends, I wish you all so much love and light. And I'll be back. Thanks for listening.